Welcome, everyone, to another program with your host, Mordechai Weimiger and Harav Nissen. It is always a schuss and an honor to be here, and especially to be able to take your questions or comments regarding the mental health field. The number to call up is 718-683-5858. That's 718-683-5858. But just before we start, I feel there's, I'd like to mention my very, very special brother-in-law, Pinny Horowitz, Pinchas Horowitz, um, has recently lost his father. And as Mechatanam, being in the family for so many years, Rabbi Horowitz is someone that was very special. Rabbi Chaim Israel Horowitz is someone that was very special to the family. But to, it's hard, you know, sometimes when someone is missed to try to put a person and put them into like a couple of seconds. But I'd like to start this way. When he would walk into the room or when you speak to him, you felt you're speaking to someone with stature. There's someone that you speak to with respect, you want to think through what you're going to say because this is someone that will have a response on a very clear and intelligent and intellectual level. But not only is it that, I would probably say he's like from the Amolaga Eden that you really don't find that much today, and that is you can have someone that knows what's going on in the world and someone that is full of tire that will tell you psukim, will be able to put everything together, hashkafa and have that amazing balance within himself. And he was able to be in both worlds. Very few people can say that they got smicha for Rabbi Yashif Ber way back when, but yet lived in Flatbush and helped, and helped build the expansion bar of Asrishir. He is someone that gave a dafyaymi three and a half cycles, three and a half machzoyim over and over. And in the times he was helping to create sort of when the Russians were coming out or coming to America before Shuvu, before it became such an awareness, he helped start the minion for the Russian Yidin to Daven by. He was there. He had his children Daven there. But when you think about people, sometimes you think about what they do on the outside, I'd like to focus a little bit what he did on the inside. Shabbos Miris, like my brother would tell me, Penny would tell me, how many times he would be sitting there and just sit for hours and sing with the family all the songs, the old, old Nigunim, there was a feeling of davening. There was a feeling of love to the Rabbi Nishleilam, of caring, and it was on a level of understanding. At the Leviah, there was Eichot to have the Navminsk Rebbe speak, someone that he was very close to, a person that was very colorful. He was assistant dean in Turo College. Someone that you see that can give a dafyaymishir, learn, sit, have a connection to Gedailam, yet you can speak about any subject. That is something that you don't find that much today. And especially to his Rebetzin, which is a Machaneches probably for over 25, 30 years, principal in, in several schools, the Talmidus that came, and you see a couple together with what they built is something that I find very special. And the family is a very wonderful, you see each kid is got their Kaychas. But in me at least I can speak about my brother-in-law, Rabbi Pinchas Horowitz, to see how he is doing that in Lakewood, living here in Lakewood. They have a huge Kail, it's unbelievable, an evening Kail, of over 80 boys participating, and sometimes it's a lot more, where these are boys that might want to go to work, and solid good boys, and at night they should have a Seder, they should have two hours of learning, and he's over there from the, literally from the inception of this wonderful idea, and there are now several places like that starting to sprout out in Lakewood and in other places where if someone is not meant to sit and learn for whatever reasons, but they're good quality boys, you don't have any more the dichotomy of either you're not good or you are good. And this is just one of the things that he does when he has people over, Nigunim, playing with everyone, speaking, a Geshmaka person. And when you see the Kleichus of parents go down to the children, 
there probably could be nothing more of a schus, nothing more of a pleasure that you can have for a father and, a, and for a mother to be able to see the children go in your way. So for me, it was a great loss to be at that Levaya, to have that Rabbi Horowitz not to have on this world, but when we look down at Kanainahar, all his children, and you look down at the Einakluch, each and every one of them are so special and helping and doing for Kali Yisrael and doing for their own family, family-oriented. May it be a schus for us all, and may we only have the, the Geulish Lema to have simchus together with everyone. Harvnison, thank you for giving me this couple of minutes, because it's something that's very dear, very special. Amen. Amen. So. Okay, and now we are going to go to our first caller, Mrs. I. For those that would like to call in and ask a question or make a comment, the number is 718-683-5858, Okay, Mrs. I, you're on the air with Mordechai and Arav Nissen. Hello. 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 Yes. Hello, do you hear Hi. me? Yes. Yes, we hear you now loud okay. and clear. Okay, so I have a twofold question. The first part of my question is how do you know that somebody who had an addiction and a personality disorder and went for heavy help and therapy to heal is really in recovery? That's the first part. And the second part is if he is really in recovery, what, what um, do I expect now of him? Okay. Your question is so fully loaded that I'm yeah. going to have to figure out how to, how to sort of ground this. Let me, let, let's divide and let's recognize how fully loaded for people that are listening to recognize what me as a professional here is. You use the word someone that suffers from addiction, A, and then you use the word a personality disorder. These two yeah. are very different diagnoses, majorly different, and each of them are are heavy hitters. So can you tell me uh, how long is this person addicted? How bad is it? If it's something you can discuss which addiction it was, it has to be appropriate. Is it gambling? Is it alcohol? Just a little, a little awareness. No, it's an addiction that I can't discuss while it's Good. on. Okay. And how long is this addiction going on? Five years. Five years. Okay. Now, and when you use Ooh. the word personality disorder, personality disorder, how do you know this person also has a personality disorder? Were they diagnosed a personality disorder? Yeah, personality yeah. Disorder? Yeah, they were so diagnosed. They were diagnosed a personality disorder. Now, yeah. you use the word recovery. Now, how long are they in recovery? And then we're going to clarify what the word recovery means. How um, long are they in recovery? Um, he's in therapy for seven months, three times a week, plus three times a week a group for okay. addiction. Okay. So Good. basically so every single day something. And three times a week, and three times a week therapy. Now, is a yeah. therapist, what type of therapy are they doing? And to everyone listening, I'm going to explain to you the method of therapy for each of these concepts and why three times a week and three times a week group therapy makes sense. But let me understand the method of therapy. What type of therapy are they going to three times a week? Um, the therapy they're going two times a week is more a strict therapist, like to teach them behaviors and that's DBT, and, um, dialectical behavioral therapy, probably. That's yeah, yeah, disorder. yeah, DBT. Very good. And one time a week okay. they're more going to subconscious therapy to and one like time heal the emotional component. 
Good. Now, let me ask you, is that therapist that's doing the, the two times, the more stricter as you're calling it, is that the same therapist doing the inner work? No, no, no. Okay, good. And now let's go to the three times a week group therapy. Are they the 12-step therapy or are they the Yeah, yeah, 12-step program. So three times a week is a 12-step program. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so now let me explain to you your question. Let's get everyone listening a bit more educated, and then we will try to address the answer. So addiction, unfortunately, the longer someone is in an addiction, and let me even explain what it is, and again, um, someone sent me a message right before we started the program for me to share with all the listeners that this program is for awareness. We're not diagnosing. We're not giving treatment plans because the person tells me so many times they listen to the program, they feel the way I'm getting pushed to the wall to give answers. This is an awareness only, and they're trying for me to protect myself, but also he said for the listeners, that sometimes listeners call up and they expect that they're going to get their therapeutic answer, but it doesn't work that way. So what I would like to create is the awareness. Addictions come, and Harvnissan, I'd like you to help me out over here because this is something that we all know we all deal with. So addictions come from someone that on the outside, they might look amazing, they might look healthy, they could look excited and successful, but inside they feel empty and inside they're in pain, and they're in pain for many years. And they've tried various ways to help themselves. So let me explain what it means. You have an inner world and an outer world. An outer world means how they look. Are they coming? Are they going? Are they successful? Inner work is how do I feel? Do you know how many people that I know that tell me, you know, it's the greatest pain of all. I look good on the outside. So people tell me you're so happy, you're so successful, you must get married, you must do this, go into this business. But inside I feel horrible. Now, when the inside, for whatever reasons, they went through pains, they have higher expectations that they have to make a million dollars and they're not happy making $100,000. Or they feel their kids should be better, should be the best in the world. Or the kids should be, they should be grabbing them for Shaduchim. Or their Shalom Bayes should be better. Or the husband and wife should be acting better. Or their in-laws should have given them more money, you know, all these people have. Or their in-laws are getting involved in their life. Or their partner stole from them, whatever it should be. When inside we're eating ourselves up and we're not able to appreciate everything we do have, and this happens for years, now the person is what we call trying to self-medicate. They try to heal the inner pain. And unfortunately, addictions are when there is a pleasure action that gives us excitement. So let's say it's gambling, let's say it's alcohol. The painful part calms down, and now we feel free, and the person feels alive. And unfortunately to the person that, let's say, has $5,000 and they gamble, and also they made 10000 now the freedom's ah, now I could make my millions. So there is an addiction component which is not realistic, doesn't feel the pain when they lose because they're anyhow in pain at all time, and they can only see the upside because it's now self-soothing, it's self-medicating. Does this make okay. a little bit sense, Ravnus, and then to our caller, to Mrs. I, about just understanding what's going on in the addictive person's life. Right, and, and the addiction itself is causing him more pain, so... That's so he's right. Just... That's the vicious cycle that happens when someone is unfortunately in the addiction because it's a, momentarily, it's a momentary pleasure, but then it's days, weeks, months, and years of pain. So we know in Yiddishkeit it's the exact opposite way, that sometimes, well, not sometimes, when we do things in life, it is hard on the inside. It's hard at first, 
But then, Lufun Sara, based on the hard work, agro, we're going to get the schar. So we know in Yiddishkeit, it's about hazoyer and bedimo. When you're putting in, when you're planting, bedimo, it's with tears. But berino yiktsoyer, that's what we say when we daven, when we daven every day from David Amel. But when you're cutting, when you cut through the wheat, then it's berino with happiness, with songs. So in Yiddishkeit, we're taught how to be strong, how to be powerful, that if we can go through the initial pain, we will feel the success later. Addictions are the other way. And addictions are the other way where you get a momentary pleasure, and unfortunately you get months, years, and sometimes lifetimes of pain. So that is unfortunately. So when you hear someone is stuck in addiction, I don't, it doesn't matter to me how successful the people think they are. It doesn't matter to me how good they look or how many, uh, how many things are working well for them or what a nice family they come from or what a nice family they have now. It doesn't matter. If someone is addicted, usually, I shouldn't say always, because there are some times if never someone had surgery and then they got addicted to the painkillers where they didn't ask for that. But most of the time, addictions are people that inside there's pain and they're not able to share it with the world because people won't want to hear it, people won't believe it. And now they're looking for a quick fix. Okay? That's now addictions. Now, what happens is the longer someone is in addictions, usually it's messed up their life. means like it's this warped thinking that they think that if I spend now $5,000, it's the last $5,000, we don't have any, food, any money for food, but I might be able to make money back or make a lot of money, they would spend it not thinking. The warped thinking is, there's a 1% chance you'll win, 99% chance you'll lose. But the feeling of that 1% chance, they will gamble that and not be able to think, what about, the, what about the consequence for tomorrow? Addictive thinking is a warped way of thinking that they don't think normal. 1 plus 1 equals 25. To them, if I have $5,000 and I gamble $5,000, it's not that I have zero money left or I'm in debt. It's I still have $5,000. Do you realize how addictive thinking isn't rational? Does that make right, sense? Right, so how, I need, how can you yeah, know that? I need you to recognize you. I want you to understand what's happening. So that's addictive thinking. Now let's go to a personality disorder. And a personality disorder means that, as well, they are people with a great heart or people that went that have great possibilities of caring and of love. And unfortunately, do, usually it comes from childhood of not having normal structures in their life. They have a raw emotions, a lot of emotions, and they want to help everyone and care for everyone, but they're feeling such strong emotions that they're not able to balance their life, and now they unfortunately many times turn mean. They can yell, scream, control, because they weren't taught how to... Like, if I have a difficulty or you have a difficulty, we'll discuss it. We're going to understand that we have to follow the rules of life, that as much as I don't want to work or I want the day off, we're still going to show up to work because we got to pay for it. So there is certain grounded rules that we can do, but people that have personality disorders, they can't follow structure. The minute it gets pressured or responsibility hits them, they lose it. Now, again, I'm talking general terms. It's not everyone. But just understand, so therefore, if there's responsibility, they can start yelling and screaming. If things don't work out, they will, can't take the pain. They can't take the responsibility because they're in such pain. So what's going to happen is they're going to be blaming others. Now, what I want you to realize is you just said addiction and a personality disorder, this person that has it, they're two very 
severe diagnosis, which means, when I say severe, means it takes years of work to get out of, and you put them all in one. So do you see how someone, if someone's got an addiction and a personality disorder, how much longer their therapy takes? So depending, again, on personality disorder, but personality disorders can be about a two-year therapy process of twice-a-week therapy, and sometimes twice-a-week therapy and once-a-week group, or sometimes once-a-week therapy and once-a-week group, but it's definitely twice-a-week. Addictions is also at least once-a-week therapy or twice-a-week therapy, but at least three times a week of group to balance it because when they have their thinking rational mind, they're there, but all of a sudden they get pressure. They don't know how to handle that, and the addiction is a quick fix. Think of a little baby that would say, I'd rather cry, give me the lolly now, and they don't know how to balance it that I need to save the food for later. So a kid will eat all the snack in the morning and they go, I want a snack. It's not fair. The other kid has snack. You go, yes, it is. You got snack. He got snack. He saved his snack for later. You ate it now. So both addictions and personality disorders need to learn how to pace themselves, how to plan for the future. And this is something that now that we understand what's happening, now let's try the next question. Now that we recognize that, there's addiction, that this person has addiction and personality disorder, they're in recovery. Yes. Do you know how I know that I would say you can start believing them that they're in recovery? Um, because yeah. they're doing a lot of work. When people are not in recovery, they say they're going and they don't go. They can talk the talk, but they can't walk the talk. They can't actually do it. Both addictions and personality disorders are unfortunately master liars. It means if you really want to know if it's true, you want to actually make sure they're going to groups. You want to hear from the therapist that they are doing it. So that's extremely impo- important. But if they are spending really three times a week in therapy, three times a week in group, you know they're serious because in therapy they make them face their issues. They make them talk about their issues. They have to talk about how hard it is today. They want to drop everything, and they're going to stay with it. So can you value the person that is going three times a week to therapy and three times a week to groups? They are literally changing their entire life. They are going into a kipshan ish because they want to be able to get healthy. That is their primary goal. And the fact that they're willing to, that they're going this much is proof of that those that aren't serious will start and then they will slow down and stop it. So if they're continuing to go seven months with this dedication, you can trust the process that they're healing. However, however, you're still not allowed to trust them with money. You think they're going to have to earn it. They're still not allowed to get upset. You might need to learn how to put, I mean, everyone gets upset, but to act irrational, to act unhealthy. Okay. So what do you expect of a person that is healing? You expect the person that is what? What can you expect from the person? Why I'm asking this question is because um, in order to get my husband to, to, to this place that he's now, going to help and everything, the only way I could do it is, is by separating. I wanted to get divorced, but Raskunen said that I should wait to see if he is doing good. And Baruch Hashem, um, he's doing That's all right. this. So yes, I re- by the way, for you to realize, that is, notice, can I ask a question? Did he start changing for the better once you separated? Yeah. Now, I would like everyone to listen to the power, and I am standing up in my seat right now, and I am clapping for you. And I'd like you to know why. 
because I deal with people that we call it codependence and the spouses. I get the question all the time, what can I do if my husband doesn't want to go for therapy? What can I do if my wife doesn't want to go for therapy? And everyone, or not everyone, people come in with this huge victim status that I'm powerless, and that's not true. You are so powerful. There is a power. There is a major power to a person when they make up their mind, even though we have no control over the other person. It means if we're saying, I am not participating in I this. am not going to live like this one more day. So That's right. And when you see that, when you mean it, and when you're clear, the Metsias is that there are huge shifts in the spouse all over. All over. Right. And I like that you're calling up, and that's when you see changes. Now, if you're still separated for seven months, you can, what many times what the therapists do is we call it dating again. You start dating your husband. If you're in the Hasidic system, which you never had a dating process, you'll start the dating process now. That means you have a conversation with your husband. If he has a personality disorder, he'll have to learn how to speak nicely. And yes, the first hour or two, he might speak nicely like every, ad- like every addict where they're going to try to charm you because they want you to get back together. You go, hold on. Let's date a couple of dates. And then if you see at the fourth date he explodes, you go, uh-uh, Baruch Hashem, you're getting better. We're able to have three, four dates like that, but no, we can't have you work on it. You've got to learn to speak nicely. You might even go join several sessions by his therapist and teach him or work out a lot of the issues of the couple. But what I want you to realize is the power that you have and for you to recognize, yes, he is growing, yes, he is moving. If he's really going, the way I'll verify this is ask the therapist, is he really going three times a week to therapy? And to verify it to the best of your ability, he's really going to the groups. There are people in the groups that you can ask. And tell them, right now we're not at the trusting stage. For anyone that's in the group, they know that once they violated the trust, they're not, a, they're not allowed to be upset at you, why don't you trust me? They have to earn the trust. Trust is something that when we get married, each one gives their spouse. If someone has done something to lose that trust, now it has to be earned again. It's not just trust me again. No, now you've got to earn it. Now you have to reassure me that you're okay. 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 Thank you so much. You're very welcome. And again, I'm standing up and clapping to you for the strength that the changes that you've made, because when you don't make the changes, Hasashom, this could have still been going on. Yes, we know your right, thank you are owned up to it, and he should have right, done it. Took, I, I want to tell everyone that um, it takes a lot of courage to be, to be able to step out of codependence, and it's impossible to do it without therapy. And okay. I had the strength to go to therapy, and that's how everything is changing. And that's yes, right. sometimes you have again, to do parents, We discuss this all the time. We don't have power over others, but when we change ourselves, the whole cycle changes. So when you went to therapy and faced your codependence, that's the first time that now they can start being healing in the family, and you got to the point where it's now seven and a half months that your husband is in therapy and in groups. Wow, what a source. Yeah, Nissa, thank what you, do you so say? much. Or, Nissa, what do you say to this? This awareness that we're creating is such a powerful source. It's, it's really something that we, you know, we, every day, I think every day we're just facing this problem. And as you said, many times you see the, the couples that uh, don't know how to deal with the, with the other side and just give up and, you know, continue as life as, uh, as regular and all the burden falling on the families and even the children. And w- become like losers all, all, all together. 
I think this is very yeah. important that you stood up, and this is the time that uh, the people we are aware about it that they can change. If they don't change the other person, as well. I cannot change nobody except myself. Change yourself right. and bringing, bringing and the other... And it was very much, um, um, I started hearing this line about her ago, and that's how I started the process, and I really owe you a wow, big thank you. Wow, that's an extra bonus Thanks. to know that okay. we have a part of it, Herb Nissen. That's beautiful. Thank you. Right. Wow. Thank you so much. Thank you, Lakadosh Baruch Thank you, Borolam. That's it. Let's thank the Rabbi Shalom for allowing us just to create awareness. And from awareness, there is such a ripple effect that happens from there. And I want to tell you that the ripple effect that you're having with you and your husband doesn't stop there. It's a children. It goes to generations, but you will probably see how it does make changes in your family, means with your parents, with your brothers, with your sisters, with your friends. You're a stronger person. You're a healthier person. And that yes, power, 100%. that ripple effect, is now a message. You're like an ambassador. You're like a lighthouse shedding now or, or creating this beautiful light of healthy and positivity. There's also one message, one word that you said that I, I value very much, and I'd like to heighten that, that you said you went through a divorce, and the Rabbanim are telling you staying because he's getting better. I love the fact that you are working with Rabbanim, and you're listening to them, and you're discussing it with them. Oh. It is so important. And again, that's one of my missions that I try to promote. Let us connect to the Rabbanim. Let's listen to the Rabbanim. The Rabbanim are here for us. They want us to open up. We've got to break our shame and be open ah. and, and let us take in again the Rabbanim in oh. our lives that we can discuss it. They're knowledgeable. They're aware. And if people say this one isn't, let's not talk about who isn't. Let's focus who is. You all have one Rav, one Rosh Hashiva that you value that you can speak to. Start opening up. And the more we open up, the more we bring them in our lives, the more we can have success. Imagine she would have divorced because she didn't have a Rav. Or an Askin involved helping her out saying, your husband is really changing. They can be an amazing, healthy, wonderful couple. We all go through Nisiyanus. We all go through difficult times. But if we have that connection, that outside person that we can trust and rely on, it changes everything. So I also want to heighten that those words that you've said in passing that I find can use as we're doing to to embold that that concept. Mordechai, I want to add. Yeah. I add in the background a baby, and this yeah. is this is at the op sign of op that this baby yeah. will grow up in a healthy environment with a strong mother that holding you know and don't let this baby to go fall to another uh, dysfunctional families and stuff like this is very very important. And Bezal Hashem, Al-Kadosh Baruch Hu Yazor, to build a Bayit Neiman Kasher and healthy. Amen. 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 Very nice. Yes. And thank you for the positive call and for the beautiful bracha, Rav Nissen. Thank you. So the number to call in is 718-683-5858. We go to and Mrs. We are R. Going to... Mrs. R. R. Mrs. R, you're on with Mordechai and Harav Nissim. It's me? Yes. Oh, hi. Um, I have a question. Um, uh, I know you, you usually don't take uh, questions for small kids, but I don't think this is a parenting question. Um, I wanted to ask Go ahead. Uh, like Let's this see what happens. Like... Ask your question. Let's see what happens. Yeah. All right. My, my daughter is... Um, uh, um, not three yet, and she she is very scared of anything that makes noise. Like, 
if someone look out of the window, so see a truck, she'll become like hysterical and or I just do anything in the kitchen with an appliance, she'll say, I'm going into my room, I'm scared. Or um Okay, let's stop we got have, examples. Like, Good. What is your question? Like I know this is not not normal for, for a child, so I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Is she going to outgrow Let me it ask or you, do you or your husband have anxiety? Um, I, you don't have to say which one. I guess you can say end. that. Yeah, so that's it. Let one of you go to therapy, whoever's got it, and you'll see a change in your two-year-old. And I'll be more direct. You going for therapy will help you out. Kids, I, normal I, I, for kids. We already went. Well, then you didn't finish the process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The proof is, look at your kid. In other words, I'll even clarify. Let me explain it to you why. Let me explain to you, since it's not a parenting question. Kids say a lot of things. And let me also explain to you why this is a parenting question. Because kids say a lot of things. I'm afraid. I'm afraid of robbers. I'm afraid of this. Kids say things all the time. Kids also say, Yitati is Hashem. And kids could say, Mommy is the best baker in the entire world. Kids could say a lot of things. Kids say funny things. Kids could say, Bobby is my mommy. Kids could say, I'm president of the United States. Kids say a lot of things. Notice the words that you're picking up on. (gasps) She's afraid. And if you still have anxiety in your system, you're going to pick up those words, this one has anxiety, she's afraid. What do we do? When you're clear of anxiety and you're relaxed and you're calm, so the kids said it's a big deal. Kids say things all the time. And that's where it's a parenting workshop comes saying. in. When you're, I see well, that let me ask the next question. Is this your her. first child? No. Which number child is this? Number three. Number three. And what do you do, do you do when the first two said, I'm afraid of things, and they're afraid of dark, which is normal things for kids? How did you deal with that? Um, they, they're they not like that. They don't get scared. I asked, but they had to say it. How did you deal with it? I'll just calm them down. I'll say everything is fine. I'll be okay. Okay. So a two-year-old is normal to be afraid, and every two-year-old is normal to have those fears. I wonder how you dealt with the... I wonder if they grew out of it. Or if this one is, or if other stuff are going on. All I'm saying is it's a bit more complicated. Two-year-olds don't really have anxiety. I want you to be aware of that. Unless, Chas Shalom, they're going through major traumas. Um, other than that, they're, they're not really going through that. If someone, unfortunately, is in... Is in let's, let's say, if, if I'll tell you this piece of information, she has two special needs siblings. She's that still makes two years old. They don't understand what special needs siblings are. So let me ask you, do special needs siblings understand what anxiety is? Are they aware of that? No, but... When you think special needs, are they mentally aware? Which means, I don't understand how you were able to raise two kids and be worried about this fear because they're running away. It means this is a normal response that every single child does. That's why I say it's a parenting workshop needed, to know these things are normal. 
for you to allow to deal with it, for you to clear up your anxiety that kids are allowed to say things and you shouldn't be afraid. That's the point of a parenting workshop. But it, the thing is, it's not that she's only saying it. I see it on a daily basis. Every time something makes a noise, she's, like, scared. Or, what do you do every time there's a police or a hot solo passing by? How do you deal with it? With her? No, with you. I don't get scared. All right. Okay, so I'll tell you what. We're getting a lot of messages that this two-year-old might have sensory anxious. Everyone is already trying to diagnose, and I'm not at that level yet. I'm not at that level yet. I am still at a very level, I'm at a level way before that. I'm at a level that first, and I know many therapists disagree with me, so I'd like to tell that to all the listeners. I am a huge believer in the holistic approach, which means you need to look at the entire environment. And so far, my system of when we work with parents the kids, almost always their anxieties and depressions and everything falls apart. That I have now a policy, any kid probably under 16 or even 17, a parent must come to therapy if your kid's going to be coming to our center. And I see everything moving, moving 10 times quicker when you have a parent in therapy. So I'm going to be going through that mahaloch of what I would tell you is continue the therapy process because your two-year-old's allowed to be afraid and a lot of her fear has to do with how you respond to when she's afraid. And do you go, Oive, now you're afraid, whatever. I, I don't want to go into the whole spiel. But, yeah, this is a parenting and an anxiety question. So they're both put together. So whoever helped out, whoever was in therapy for the anxiety, I'd recommend you go back and just get some tips from them. They'll guide you. Thank you okay. for calling in. Thank you. The number to call and to ask your question or your comment is 718-683-5. 718 5858, and I'm going to read a message that someone sent for that lady, and it's like this. I just, to the, to the previous call that we had earlier, I just want the missus to know how much I admire her courage and the way she's dealing with her situation. It's nothing short of amazing. Hashem should help her and send her a Yeshua Bekarov. Amen. Amen, yeah. Thank uh, you. We'll go, we'll yeah. go to Miss R, Miss K. Miss Kay. Kay, you're on with Mordechai and Rav Nissen. Huh? Yes, hi. Um, I have a question. I have a friend, and I'm, like, extremely close to her. And it gets, like, sometimes it gets in the way of, like, my other social life, like in school or with other friends. Wait, can you say it again? It's just a drop low on my part. Just say it again. You are, you have? I have a very close friend. And then, yes. and I'm very close. Like it sometimes gets in the way of my social life in school and and with now other friends. Now let's understand how would a close friend get involved in social life in school unless the friend says sort of, don't ask others. Like no, let's just hang around me. Don't go with other friends. Or why is it right? How does how does having a close friend interfere with being social? Um, like sometimes. Like, my other friends asked me to come for Shabbos, and then I'm, I want to stay home because she, like, she's my neighbor, so I want to stay home like, and play with her. Okay, so let's understand. So what's happening is because you have a, this best friend, you feel safe and comfortable with her, that you're not going out of your comfort zone, that you're not connecting with others. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, like, like, I, like if I don't go with her all the time, like maybe I'm going to lose her or something. Like, maybe she'll 
she'll find a different friend. Or... Yes. So now while you're not connecting with other ones, it's because fear of losing out, of losing your friend. Great. Oh, amazing awareness. Fantastic. Good. Continue. So I want to know if you have, like, tips on how, how I could, like, go with her less and be more comfortable going with other friends without... Certainly. And then I'd like her of Nissen to please help me out. So I'm just going to take two minutes of the time, and I'd like her of Nissen to take over on this question. So, again, your question is as follows. You have a best friend that you feel comfortable with, and you have other friends inviting you for Shabbosim and to go places, but you're not doing it because you're afraid that maybe you're going to lose this best friend. So, therefore, you're not connecting to others. Now, let's create a scenario and look at the other side. Imagine you have this one best friend, and this best friend also enjoys being your best friend. But as someone that has confidence, feels comfortable having friends, and also likes having other friends. Now, this friend, this best friend B, might start feeling choked when you're not taking the Shabbos away, or when you're always around her, or if she wants to talk to someone else, you get afraid, I'm going to lose that one friend that I have, and you might even get tighter connected to her. You might, like, be choking her. You want to have her, you want to understand everything, you want to know what you're talking about, and what happens is you start getting more controlling. And instead of helping the relationship, it causes a greater wedge. So let's understand that you're a teenager. This question is age-appropriate. means in your understanding now, and that a teenager's friendship is one of the most important points that there are, you value yourself based on how many friends you have, based on how popular you are. A lot of it is based on that. It's also based on marks and school and how much a teacher likes you and parents, but a lot of it is by friends. And what happens is, you know, it's the, one of the greatest fears to, let's say, a person is, what happens if I lose my one security blanket, if I lose my support system, right? And what happens is when we're afraid of something, we usually try grabbing onto it and holding it too strong that we end up losing it and causing more damage. So the first step is to understand that teenagers don't really realize that. Does that make sense? Yeah, like if I, like she calls me out and my mother wants me to help at home, like I'll, I'll like go to her and then like maybe not That's help right. my mother as much. That's right, because you're afraid. Simply you are afraid of, con- you're afraid of losing your friend. This is like your lifeline. Make sense? Yeah. So now, what I'd like you to recognize is, and this is what we do in therapy, that sometimes you have to do something that, sounds, that, that seems counterintuitive, the opposite that you think, but it actually will work out. So for an example, if someone wants to be healthy, you might think that the best way to be healthy is don't do exercise because your body sweats, your heart starts racing, you're breathing so hard. No, exercise is healthy for you. And the same is with friendship. If you want to keep this girl as a best friend, have other friends. You want to have a best friend, give the best friend a room to breathe. By giving them room to breathe, you usually will not lose them. You will actually solidify the relationship, that it will be a better and closer relationship. Now, how do you do that? I would ask you to write on a paper two other friends that you want to get closer, that you would like to be a friend, and you're going to start sitting next to them, or you'll have this friend say, let's say, friend, best friend B, can we sit next to those two girls at lunch today? Or after no, school, she, you can ask one school. of the girls, can no. we study a little for this test? Or Shabbos afternoon, can I go over to your house for an hour or two? You want to start connecting. The more you connect to others, 
the more friend B will appreciate you, the more you will appreciate friend B, the more you'll now appreciate friend C and D. And let's say in a year from now, friend B would like to make other friends, you wouldn't have an issue with that because now you have more friends as a security. Because you have now other friends. You have C and D. So if someone only has one best friend, and now that one best friend wants to make other friends, they want to move on, how could you let go? You're now alone. But if you can have three, four other friends, now you're confident that it's okay. Life moves on. We had a great relationship, and then you can move on. Now, Harav Nissen, what do you say? How would you address this? Because you have a lot of experience with a lot of teenagers, and you get a lot of the calls from teenagers how would you recommend that? Uh, first of all, I add some sentence. I don't know if you notice. She's not in a in a in a classroom. She's not in the school. Is it true? No, I didn't she's, even notice she's that. She's my neighbor. No, I missed that. What? She's your neighbor. I, I missed that. She's neighbor. She's my neighbor, and like one other kid I know lives like out of town, and the other kid is from my school. So uh, the, they're yeah. not all like in the same school. So the, it's so it's meaning that only the after school you you see her uh, somehow, right? Yeah, but still, like my my friend from school asked me to come out with her on Shabbos, and I'll okay, like, so stay home. So one second. So you you combine air in your uh, close circle. She's she's like one of my best friends. Okay. Like she's not like it's not like she's in my school, and I see her all day. But when I go home, like she's. My best friend, basically. Okay, my question to you is: as uh, what her relationship with you? Eh? She's she's demanding for you to be with no, her. No, it's no, just, it's so, basically I'm I'm like the problem. So uh, I think that the suggestion what uh, Rabbi Mordechai said is the best thing to do. So start, you know, shift a little bit your uh, attention and see uh, it. See what how uh, it's working. I don't see that. Uh, are you, uh, let me ask you something else. I don't know. Are you jealous with uh, when when somebody has come close to her and talk with her and become very friendly? Yeah, that sometimes happens. Like I'll see her go with another kid, and I'll be like, I'll become like scared, like that she'll go off with her. Okay, so I think that uh, the the best way is to 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 do what uh, Rabbi Wein, Rabbi Mordechai said. Just start concentrate and slowly, slowly try to depart. And combine it together. I think this is it's very it's very courage from you to to call and talk about it because it seems like it's bothering you, and it's very nice. And it's it's that I would say the ninety percent of the problem that you are aware about it, and you can do something about it. Yes, and I also want you to realize this is age appropriate. That's why I want to add on exactly to what Nissen said and to what we're discussing. This is normal for 15-year-olds, 16-year-olds, 17... Let's start, sorry, this is normal from 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, and 20-year-olds to feel this issue with I have best friends. Now the friends are having other friends, or I have only one friend, and the secret is that instead of holding on more to one, you want to build it to others. The Gemara says that Lo'ilam, I forget actually which one of the Tanoim, how it starts, but a person should be mashlish, his parnal, his money. A person should divide his money into thirds into, in case one business goes down. One is karka, one is, one is um, real estate, uh, a third is real estate, a third of them is like business stuff, and a third is, I think, in, um, in cattle and things like that. So this way, if one of the issues, if one of the businesses will have a difficulty, you have other places where to fall back on. So know that it's scary for a teenager, 
because you're finally aware and you finally feel accepted. But as you learn to make, as you learn to go through this process, you find the tremendous shifts in your life that you'll be able to do it later on more and more and more. So it's a skill, it's a muscle that needs practice. And as you practice the muscles of making new friends, you see changes in your life. I would say also it's some kind of admiration. So to the other person could be that leading the issue. And try to see, to, to find what you really admire about the person and just to, to imitate and build yourself also to this direction. Well, I, I don't know, like, where, where I should cut, cut the line. Like, like, I shouldn't hang out with her at all? or then No, no. 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 just said hang out with other friends too. Means if this, she's out of school, get a friend from school and go with, one, go with two friends twice a week. Connect to two other friends, and Shabbos, go to other friends as well. Make sure you're going to go Shabbos to friends from your school, from your class. Well, thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, it's not easy. It's not easy. <laughs> We know this, you know. No, and Especially no, with the teenagers. teenagers that's the yeah, hardest time yes. when everything's about relationships yes. and where you are and feeling accepted and understood, and you finally opened up. Yes. Yeah. We'll go to Mrs. A. Mrs. A. You're on with Mordechai and Harav Nissen. Hello. Hello. Hello, hello, Mrs. A. Hello. Okay, uh, we have uh, Miss F. Miss F, you're on with Mordechai and Harav Nissen. Hello? Yeah. Yes. Hi. Hey, um, nice my question on. is that um, I have a few friends that um, were very close to me, and uh, and I have to bear with you know they get a little too bad for me, and I started changing myself, and uh, I have to say goodbye to them. So um, I'm struggling like a few weeks or a few days already, and uh, I have to you know I'm trying to get it back to myself, and it's very hard for me, and I am trying to. Get away how I should go on. Because it's in my mind and I can't, you know, I can't, I can't get it out so quickly. It's a few days already. It's like, you know, after Shabbos and it's on Thursday. So I'm like, um. Okay, great. So I'm going to repeat your question with an awareness. And what we're going to do over here is, First of all, the number to call in for those that would like to ask your question or your comment is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. And we look forward to taking your questions or your comments. And now we'll take your question. Actually, Harvinus, I'd like you to answer this one. You go and I'll go second. Uh, I was in the other line, so just uh, repeat oh. the question, please, if you don't. Her question is that she had some friends that looks like she's changing for the better, which I'm very proud of you for doing that. I can't hear you. Connected. What? I, you're very, you're, I can't hear you very, uh, you know. It seems like your phone is a little bit noisy. I don't know. Right, it was the cracking stuff, and I wasn't really responding right. So, is it so possible basically, so this girl... Yeah, so this girl is better? better, and she's got she's got now she disconnected from her friends already since since Matzah Shabbos or since Shabbos. It's now five six days, and she's thinking about it a lot, and she's lonely, and and you know it's hard for her. What's the recommendation? 
I think it's the same the same question from the the other the the, the previous uh, quarter. Exactly. Uh, the same yeah. the same issue with like the. the I heard I heard the, the few, a few a few points, but I didn't hear the whole conversation. Okay. Is it possible you can call us from a different? Because I believe that our listeners right now is very bad uh, noise in yeah, the background. Yeah, we're hearing a lot of static. Yeah. So just call right back, Emil. I'll be addressing the response to our listeners. Okay. Okay, okay Thank great. You. Sure. Ah, so much better. Hear the crackling. All right, so the question, so the, the response is, and I was debating, should I mention it, should I promote it or not, but I'll mention my book, Alive, A Ten-Step Guide to a Vibrant Life, where over there, the concept that we share, there are ten chapters, and so many of them are about making friends. It's about knowing who you are. I shouldn't say it's not about making friends. It's about new beginnings. It's about knowing your value. It's about seeking advice as you're seeking. It's about having more than one person that you're relying on. And to this girl, I would say, is the Chapter 7 of The Slow and Steady. She had friends for a while. They weren't good friends. She broke up with them. And right away from Thursday, we're expecting her to already have best friends. Friends is a process, and that's another lesson that teenagers need to learn that things take time. Life takes time. Process takes time. And Baruch Hashem, we will get there. We all succeed, but we've got to give it time. Let's not judge things in a matter of weeks. Just like grass. If you watch it grow, you don't see it grow. But a month later, all of a sudden you see, wow, it grew so much. So if we watch grass daily, we won't recognize it. But after it, we will. If we see it a month later, same as with friendship, same as with life. And this is a lesson that teenagers need to learn. And if they don't learn it, we've got many adults that are 30, 40, and 50 years old, and they still have that teenage response, but I'm doing this for three days and I'm not seeing the results. Or people are on a diet and they check the scale six times a day. No, you're not going to lose the pounds if you check the scale six times a day in four or five days. Go on the scale, maybe check it that once a week, continue the process of the exercise or eating healthy, check it six weeks later, and boy, are you going to notice a difference. Or people that don't see you for six weeks will notice that the same is with friendship. You've got to give it a process. Anything that's human takes time, takes process. Mm-hmm. I guess. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, sure. Yeah, and the number to call in is again 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. So how would you feel if you know now that, of course, you'll have friends, but give it time? Give it even six months to make good friends. How about you can wait six months, and this way your name will change. You're going to get a better name. People are still unsure. Oh, she's only four or five days different. Let's see if she'll fall down or not. Okay, um, now I have a second question. How, um, when I'm at work, yeah, and I want to say something. I'm a little, I'm fresh there. I'm a new worker there, so I'm a little fresh. So I'm not, um, like, I have a little conscious that, that I shouldn't talk. I should think, like, a few times what I say out of my mouth. How can I, um, I, I know I'm not, I'm fresh, but how can I mix them, you know, look good in my, in my eyes, like that they, I shouldn't be funny to them, that whatever I say or I shouldn't I stay quiet, you know, it's like hard. Yeah. Yeah. So what we will, let, let's change your question differently. You're in a new place. And I'm going to change it two ways to a question that you didn't ask, and you really want to be accepted right away. Mm-hmm. You know it's hard, but you just want to feel comfortable right away. And that exactly. is exactly what we're saying in the book, that 
That's chapter one as far as how to build a self-esteem, which I feel that can help you. Know 25 of your strengths and say it three times a day. You'll see how powerful you are. But then comes chapter two, and that is stop trying to be a perfectionist. Don't try to get it right right away. Allow yourself to make mistakes. Go through the process, but now comes chapter three, which is talking about you. And that is vitality and stagnation, to be able to do new beginnings. New beginnings means that you can be an expert in school, like the girls in senior year. They feel on top of school. They know everything. They know the teachers, and they know how to speak and all the rules. And then they leave school, and then they go to work. You're a beginner again. And if you don't learn to master the beginner, the beginning stages, you'll always be afraid, and you won't be able to go to the next level. So now you're working. The Merit you're going to get married. The Merit you're going to have a baby. Then Merit Hashem, you're going to have several children. Then you might work or do something like that. You might do some chesed project. You might have other children. There's always a new beginning. You might move to different areas, different locations. You want to master this process of new beginnings. And new beginnings is the same answer to your question that we've said the first part. Allow a time. The only way to get out of being a beginner is being there six months, being calm, knowing that you're going to feel uncomfortable, Build up your self-esteem, saying it's good, I'm normal. And when you start feeling down, oh, I'm so disappointed, it takes time. It's process. You allow process to happen with Siata Deshmaya, you get success. You get somewhere. Uh-huh. Okay, thank you very much. I, I know, you said everything. You said, you know, we have five, four minutes, and we have uh, Mrs. Uh, e online. So, yeah. All right, so then we'll go to okay. Mrs. E. So thank you thank for you. your call and for your time. Hello, Mrs. E. Hi. Yeah. I'd like to know, I have a question. Um, if I, How do I forgive someone for doing something to me? But I'm also upset at myself that I let myself be, be so like harassed. And what? <laughs> Can you say it again, Harvness? I'd like you to address. The I, I think this is the question for the next show. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a very loaded question. Can you say it again? The question is: I want to forgive someone for something they did to me, but I'm also upset at myself for for letting myself be so depressed. Like, yeah. Listen, go ahead. Let's take it. We got three minutes, two minutes, so we can. And Mertesham, call up next program next week because I believe that it's just as Ravnissen said. This is a fully loaded question. We could spend a good 15, 20 minutes to create an awareness of the anger and the forgiveness process. But Ravnissen, I, I think, we I start? Think, I think, first of all, it's happened to all of us. It's not question. Ah, you know, it's beauty. happened to all of us. And uh, one time, like, like, you know, it's catching you, what you call it, with, uh, with surprise. You trust the person that uh, you're trusting, and suddenly you find that uh, he stabbed you in the back, or, or it's you know doing something that's really and, and you uh, first of all the 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 the, 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 the feeling that you know you're nothing, and besides this the feeling that you trust somebody, you really trust somebody, and how how could you know, uh, you get you, you didn't see it, and how do you, I think that this is the, the the feeling about it. I would say that. From other end, at the point of I would say the, I, what I believe today, and take take a long time to to practice it and to believe, from the side of the emuna, that nobody is affecting us beside the Kadosh Baruch Hu is is a messenger to us to look what's wrong we did, and sometimes it's a small cleanser 
to create awareness in our side and to build our, our ourselves better better people and better you know a better human around around the the environment and I'd, I'd definitely not to lose trust in other people to be aware okay. yes but I would I wouldn't say that uh, to lose the trust in people that's what uh, my point and I see that like uh, if somebody take a stick and eat a dog the dog wouldn't attack the person it would take the stick and uh, i see i see this this is the the uh, if it happened to me i see that uh, the kadosh bahu ribonishlam sent me the stick and i try to find what what i did wrong and what i can be improve myself to a better step that it won't happen and uh, to go what you call it in yiddish weiter kadima yeah. Mm-hmm. That's that's my okay. my. Thank you so much. Oh, this was short. <laughs> I want to hear my Mordechai about it. <laughs> no, I'm making you said it all. The I thing is, no, like I'm it. trying like to think if maybe it's because it's also some guilty conscience, but really I know I didn't do anything wrong. It's like maybe it's ha- that's uh, like when you have a guilty conscience also, that's when you can't like forget like. I, I, f- yeah. I feel that, you know, when it's happened to me, I feel, you know what, uh, this is a sign from Rabbanu Shalom. I try to improve myself, try to mm-hmm. build a, a more a better relationship. And uh, what is, uh, and I, I really believe that everything that happened to me is letova, letova, and you see it maybe not in the next months, maybe in the next two years, maybe in the five years. See that what happened to you right now, it will be that so funny and told something that's the best thing that happened to you ever. That's why, mm-hmm. that's what I said. And I said, uh, I forgive the person. Anyway, everything, every night is before we go to sleep. And we said, I'm I'm You know, we, we're doing it. We are forgive our uh, enemy because this is the way of to, to continue life. And to connect ourselves with Bono Shulam. This is not a therapist answer, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, this is beautiful. I have nothing more to add. It was said. Yeah. It's been beautiful. Okay, thank you so much. Thank you. Sure. My pleasure. Well, we finish. Nice. We're done. <laughs> thank you all for calling in for your questions, for your comments, for Avnissan. Thank you for another wonderful week. And for everyone listening, it is a schusen and honor to be here and to do that. And as we start up the program, that it should be a, 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 I guess, a schos, and for Reb Chaim Israel Horowitz, Zatzal, uh, may we all share of simchas together with all of Klai Yisrael, with the Geula Shalem of Mehrbi Amen, Amen, Amen. Thank you.